What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the For the Bird podcast. This is episode 13. I am Ron Gata. On today's show, I have Ricky Armelino from Hawk and Ice Nine Kills. Ricky takes us on a trip through his entire musical career, whether it be playing guitar, being a lead singer, writing or producing records. He can literally do it all. He even dabbled in some stand-up comedy back in the day. It's a good one. It's a long one. So put on your headphones and enjoy, guys. Nope. <laughs> Mr. Pop. <laughs> All right, guys, today I have Ricky Armelino from Hawk and Ice Nine Kills. What's going on, man? Thanks for being on the show. I am uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Staying busy during the quarantine. You were just telling me you were uh, finishing up doing some work to your basement, putting up new lights, oh, stuff yeah. like that. Well, when I'm home from tour, I'm pretty much like perpetually doing projects around my house. I'm, I'm, I'm at that age now. I'm in my early 30s where all of a sudden like – I don't feel all right unless I am constantly getting shit done. So, um, yeah, like in between, I'm currently writing songs for like four different bands right now where I'm just basically like pitching songs and like, do you guys like this? Do you want to use this? I hear back like, yeah, yeah, they really like the verse on that and the chorus, but I think we're going to try a new pre-chorus. And then sometimes I'm brought back in to keep working on it. Sometimes I'm not. Then I'm also mixing a couple bands. I'm working on my band CD, which I'm basically like, you know, we, we I do the writing with the guys who uh, both the other two of the other members of the band actually live here with me now. So that's interesting. Um, so it's 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 been uh, and then, you know, in our free time, we're we're like working on the house and, you know, we just it's been uh it's exciting. It's like we, 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 we always have shit going on here. And um, I, I haven't I haven't had a like I the closest I get to a day off is like yesterday. I hung out with my girlfriend for a little bit and I completely gutted my attic and we built these like floorboards so that we can like use more attic space. And then we spent like most of the day taking everything in the garage and around the house. We didn't have an immediate need for like putting it up in the attic. So that's like an off day for me. Nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, those are the days where it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Don't have anything to do today. Let's work on the house all day. And Let's um, the attic. <laughs> yeah. I don't do like, I don't binge shows. I don't, I don't play video games for excessively. Like I do sometimes when we're, we're doing, we do like live streams and shit like that where we'll like play video games, but it's, uh, we, we just try to stay busy here. Awesome. Um, so where we start these usually, just uh, if you want to get into some of your earlier musical influences, when you decided you wanted to play music for a living or when you knew that, uh, knew that was actually a possibility? It, you know, I got into music kind of weird because I, I grew up in um, I grew up in a pretty conservative family who, uh, you know, bless them. They're one, you know, my family is wonderful. They, I, I wasn't really like exposed to a lot of music growing up. Um, not, not by like, you know, I always kind of envy families that like, they'd always have like music playing and, you know, my, my drummer, he's unreal young. He's so young. He's like one of the most talented musicians I get to work with. And it's like his whole life, like when he was like eight, his mom took him to see like Joy Division. 
and stuff like that. Like they were like, you know, and, and so I didn't really have that experience necessarily though, though my parents did, they liked the Beatles. Um, but music wasn't really like a part of our house. It was just, I was a skater. And, uh, one of my, my best friends, uh, Sean Hennessy, who is, uh, the, basically one of the, one of the original members of this or the apocalypse when it started doing stuff, he, um, yeah, we're just skating and he was talking about the bass guitar and he was like, dude, you should learn, you should learn bass guitar. It's like, really? He's like, yeah, man, I bet you could play it. He was like, it only, it doesn't, it's, it's easy to learn. And I'm like, okay. So I asked my parents for a bass guitar when I was 13 and they were just like, really, you want to, you want to learn how to play guitar? Cause like, you know, I used, I, I, they, they got me to play piano when I was little and I, you know, I was generally uninterested. And, uh, and, and, but the thing about it was like, I did have a period in my life where I listened to a lot of sublime. Like I had a series of CDs. I had Wu-Tang sublime. I had uh, green day dookie, um, Alanis Morissette, jagged little pill. And I would listen to those CDs. Like there was like a year in my life when I was really little, I would just always be listening to those CDs and playing games on my Macintosh. And then as soon as I got that bass guitar, it just like immediately became like my identity. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, like people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I play bass. And I would just sit in my room all day playing bass. Cause I wasn't a particularly like, I didn't have like a, a lot of friends or anything. I was kind of a, I was a little awkward growing up. You know, I was one of those kids that wanted really badly to be liked by other people. And generally I didn't, you know, went about it in ways that made me not get that, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I, uh, you know, I kind of growing up, I was always trying to figure out like, what's the, what's the code, you know, to having friends and stuff. And so I started playing this instrument and then all of a sudden I, I have like new, like I, I have like a different relationship with, with different friends, you know, and like, I'm just kind of like, it, it, then that turns into me, you know, I got a guitar when I'm 16. And by that point I'm in a band with some guys that are older than me and we actually play like real clubs around the area. And then all of a sudden I'm like coming home late at night, like, smelling like cigarette smoke and stuff. And, you know, my parents are kind of like, they, they have no idea what I'm doing. They don't have any interest in going to these things. It makes them uncomfortable. You know, they're like, they don't want to see their kid like being vulnerable like that, exposing himself. Like they're looking for like somebody who's just going to get a job, you know? And then, um, that just kind of became, you know, it was my identity. So, um, to answer your question in the most roundabout way, sorry, I guess no, like, <laughs> I knew it was an option. You know, I, I had a pretty, I had a pretty serious loss when I was 17, like really, really serious and don't need to go into it uh, publicly, but it, it, it involved like death. It involved me being present for it. Um, it was, it was like a, it, it was a very sudden, uh, sudden thing that happened. And, um, and, and after that, I, I, you know, I had a lot of trouble processing um, my own emotions. Like I, I, I didn't, I really cried after that for like a really long period of my life. And like, I just got to work handing out. I was the guy who was always handing out flyers for shows and stuff, just like all day going to the mall, handing out flyers, getting people. So like I, I was a terrible singer, but I sang for this band, this pop punk band. I was absolutely awful, but you know, like we were put on all these shows cause we could get tons of people there. And, and really it was just a diversion, you know, from like whatever I was doing. And then, and I was going to college for English because I really thought I was going to be a writer or something. And, um, I start this band, this is the apocalypse. It's a joke to me. Like, it was just like, let's make stuff that sounds like, you know, just like dumb, whatever heavy stuff we want to make. And, you know, my guitar player who still, he lives in my house, my guitar player, Jack, 
he took it really seriously and he wanted to make stuff that he really, really liked. And then we get signed to this label and then we end up on tour with like August Burns Red and all this stuff. And like, and the whole time I'm just kind of like, I always identified with being like the bad, I'm just like the bad singer who can hand out flyers and who can network. And, 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 and I don't know when, when it, when it ever became like my living because it was always like, well, I'm just going to do this cause I don't want a job. And then eventually I'm like, well, I got to figure something out. I'm producing records and I'm writing with bands. I'm teaching kids how to like play guitar and do vocals. And then I'm like building a studio in my house. And this is all just to like hold off on the next period of my life where I'm obviously going to need to figure something out. And then like, I'm making bigger records and it's like, well, like, I guess I'm going to work on this, you know, signed bands record. I didn't <laughs> expect that, you know, I was always looking for an exit. Cause I spent like a lot of years in a relationship with, uh, you know, somebody who was living in my house with me. And it was like, when is this going to be over? Like, when are you just going to get a fucking job, man? And I was like, well, I don't know. I, I still have a couple records I got to finish up and you know, those are going to pay the bills for a while. And, then I'm like playing in Ice Nine Kills and I, I you know, like, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden they're on the billboard charts. They're like, oh, fuck, we didn't see that coming. And, and then we're touring with like Papa Roach and shit like that. And then, you know, that's paying enough that I can come back home and focus more on the studio and focus more on learning how to sing more. So it's it's like this gradient that I can't ever figure out. Like I wasn't the kid who was like, I know I'm going to make it like I was never that kid ever it was just like i don't want a job i'm gonna do this for as long as i can <laughs> you know what i mean that that was yeah. that was the goal you know well it's and, working um, so far <laughs> i hope so like I, I i mean it just is um at a certain point you know i think um you know maybe, maybe there might have been like a psychedelic involved but uh there was a one day where i just all of a sudden like i said to my ex and i I think this was probably like the last nail in the coffin, like and not knowing it, but like, you know, that's probably, I just remember being like, you know, I really enjoy what I do. So like, I thought you hate making records. It was like, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I've like made peace with it. I've forgiven myself. And now I really want to learn how to do my job as best as possible. And I'm going to start learning. So I start downloading like every form of masterclass and YouTube video. And like when I'm on tour with Ice Nine Kills, I'm just watching tutorials all the time and trying to learn more. Like, how do I, you know, how do I mix a record and get paid, you know, twice what I'm getting paid now? How do I make something that sounds this quality, you know? And it takes a lot of learning and, you know, I'm obviously not going to pay for school for it because that's an absurd amount of money. Oh, for um, sure. So there, there's this point where I just decided to like, okay, well, I guess I got to learn all this shit now. Like, I got to learn all the scales and all the chords and be able to listen to a song and be able to like diagnose, you know, what's going on with it right away, that type of stuff. So it just sort of happens as like, you know, you're, you're figuring out what opportunities you have available to you. And at, and, and at a certain point as a musician, you either say, well, working at a bank seems like a bigger opportunity. And, you know, the, the entertainment business is based on if, if an opportunity presents itself and it just plops itself in front of you can you take it? You know what I mean? Right. And I, I think that's, and that's life. That's any industry. But, but I, it's just at a certain point, you know, like it seemed like, wow, these musical opportunities, they kind of seem like my best shot right now. Otherwise I can like move over to a different field and, you know, take my chances there. And, and, and I don't think I'm going to get these same opportunities. And so, um, you know, I try to stay as diverse as I can. You know, I, I, I produce, I write, I write for bands and I send them songs or they come in and I record all their instruments and I try to make it sound right. 
and I edit everything. Um, and then sometimes I'm writing in those circumstances or people send me their songs and I, and I have to go through and clean it up and re-record stuff and mix them or I'm on tour and I'm playing guitar or I'm on tour and I'm singing like, or I'm helping make videos. You know, that's a new thing we're doing. Like we try to stay, um, make sure that we're not just relying on one thing, but at, at the same time, make sure that it's, or I'm giving lessons, you know, like you want to be able to do as many different things, but you want, well, if I'm working on one of these things, I'm still getting better at the others, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. No, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that, that, took a, that took a while to explain. Like, did you notice how like through that, I'm trying to figure it out myself? Cause that's I, that's I just perfect like, for well, these what? though, man. You're gonna... Yeah, yeah. I like, like when I'm, you guys I'm talk more like... than me. I want you to talk more than me. It makes my job so much easier. Go for oh, it. Oh, God, I <laughs> can do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, know, I know how to do that shit. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so you mentioned uh, this is the apocalypse. You guys put out three albums there. Did you guys just change your name to Hawk, or did Kinda, you uh, well, a new band okay, so identifying as a new band? Here's the thing: we actually put out five. Two of them you will never hear about <laughs> because they were like before we were signed. Yeah, we were like we were doing like unsigned albums you. and stuff like that. Yeah, this is the apocalypse. Um, what happened was when when we were in the last phase of that band you know we kind of went off the rails a little bit near the end we were like we kept losing drummers and bringing in new guys and you know there's kind of this process where you really didn't have time to vet any vet people anymore you just like hey we need a drummer like we would have like new guys in there who suddenly had their own goals and incentives and what they were trying to do and the the band kind of just became like it was mostly me, Rodney, and Jack trying to figure out, like, what what's our next step? Like, what are we doing here? So we talked to the record label we're at, on at the time, which was E1. We're like, hey, we're ready to do another record. And they were kind of just like, eh, it doesn't make sense financially for us. Because really, the honest truth was, everybody that made a record for us lost money. So a lot of times when you get a record deal, it's because you have a manager that's like, you know, they're buddies with a label. Like, hey, I just picked up this band. Let's sign them and let's try to get this, uh, let's try to blow them up. And the label goes, okay. Well, we didn't work with that manager anymore because he wasn't working out. And um, and immediately the label was like, hey, if Sean's not around, like, we're out, you know? And, and that's, nobody's mad, you know? Mm-hmm. We're just like, okay, cool. That's, you know, we weren't particularly like, no, keep <laughs> us. We were like, yeah, let's get out of here. Um, so we, we uh, and that's nothing against them. It's just, you know, we weren't exactly like, a band that they had, they had, you know, it's like they, they signed, they, you know, they wanted to see where it went and that's that, you know, that's really how most, that's how most record deals typically go is like somebody signs you and they go, all right, let's, let's see where this goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's, right. that's it. Yeah. And so, so we, we did that and, um, and then we, we end up getting a new manager and then, and, and this new manager was, man, he was like, a, he was doing some good stuff. Like he was grinding really, really hard. Like he really believed in the band, which was awesome. And, uh, and he started getting us these new record deals, but pretty much everybody, it was the same exact story. They're like mega interested in the band, love the band, love the vocalist. We got to change this fucking name. Like, we're not going to be number four that loses money. And at first, we're like, nah, nah, let's let's see if we can find somebody else. But then we actually got, like, two offers that we actually wanted, and both of them said the same thing. They're like, we'll sign the band, but you got to change the name. We, we, we got to rebrand and do something new. And it's kind of at this point, and, 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 then one of, and then Rodney is like, hey, I'm going to get married. 
I'm, I'm not coming along for this next record deal. You, that you, and, and that was kind of the point where it was like, okay, well, if Rodney's not even going to be here, we are not going to keep trying to like use this name and use all of our old branding. You know what I mean? It's stupid. Right. So there was pretty much like an agreement between us where we were just like, Hey, let's, um, yeah, let's, let's roll with a new name. So we, we, we change it to Hawk because funny enough, it's like everything that we were doing at the time had a Hawk on it, you know, like the Hawk with the skull or whatever. Right. So it, it just kind of you know made sense. So we're like, yeah, let's do that. So, so we go and we do that. And the um, we make a record and and uh, and and then the label same exact story we decide the manager that we're working with anymore and um, they were like all right this doesn't make sense for us and we're like uh, okay so you know then we're basically in a situation where we're where now they own the, these people own the record and we just kind of, just kind of got stuck so we sort of at that point you know the, the 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 whole thing of like shifting around opportunities and stuff at that point it was pretty clear it's like yo we've lost a lot we we went to different producers and then i ended up pretty much mostly my money uh, i ended up over like three years spending like ten thousand dollars trying to make this record happen wow. and we just couldn't get this label to even like respond to emails and finally it's like okay writing's on the wall let's focus on production let's produce artists because at some point we can just produce our own stuff, but we're not there yet. Like we're not, we're not at the point I can make things for like a local band that I think sound appropriate for the amount of money they're spending. But can I make things that sound like what we were doing before? No, not yet, but we will get there. And then we did, you know, now we Hawk, we kept the name. Uh, and then we just started re pre like releasing our own music, like that we produced in the basement and kind of like fuck you <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, like yeah. all right you're not gonna release the cd we'll just make our own fucking songs like <laughs> you know and so uh so that was kind of like that was the whole process of that shit and um it's been cool but that's kind of like everybody's like oh man what happened to tota it's like well i mean we're the same dudes but right like, so like so you guys still play this or the apocalypse stuff live when you're on tour or do you just no. play no that's no i mean you know my, my my view on that stuff is that that stuff had its day in court Right. And it's great, but but if we're gonna like, you know, to the couple guys on Facebook who will be like terrible, bring <laughs> back this or the apocalypse. It's like, are you really gonna right, live yeah. seven seven years ago? Like, I get it if you you love those songs, but it's like none of the original guys are even available to play anymore. Nor nor do they have the 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 time or the life that would afford them that. And is it really cool to like keep trying to relive your glory days? No, it's not. You know what I mean? It's 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 kind of, you know, it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel that cool to try and keep being like, come on, guys, let's you know, we, we can we can try to do more Toda Toda stuff. It feels more like it's we're trying to it, it feels more like we're trying to sell a, a part of our past that was a really awesome part of our past. And, and I love but I, I don't want to try and like, I don't want to try and become a caricature of myself trying to like market something that, that, that we used to do that we don't even, if like Grant and Sean and Rodney were like, yo, I want to, let's play some stuff together. You know, yo, let's go play songs off all what's left. That would be awesome. But trying to bring in a new bunch of guys and sit down and wait for them to rehearse and learn these songs and market it and bring it, it just doesn't feel like, it doesn't even feel musical to do that it, it just feels like a marketing you know thing and yeah. it's just like well yeah if it was actually paying before it would 
makes sense. But, you know, it, each of those tours, we would come home with thousands of dollars of debt and we would just work really hard, dig our way out of it, go tour again. And, and we did that for eight years, maybe, wow. you know what I mean? It's like, a, you know, a, a normal person wouldn't do that, <laughs> but oh, like, sure. you know, weird music guys, well, <laughs> you know, weird music guys will do it. They'll, they'll, they'll do it. <laughs> so hawk hawk just released a new single a few months back i think uh yeah. called alibi on spotify you guys have a music video for that you want to talk a little bit about that newer song any plans for a newer uh hawk record oh, oh I, i'm om- we're almost done with an with a new hawk record like i am literally i was gonna i was gonna open up i'm on the last song on vocals um i was gonna open it up for like an hour before this podcast but i was like my voice isn't really feeling great today and I should, you know, I should get some work done around the house. So, so that's kind of where we're at right now where it's just like, Hey, yeah, we're getting to it. We just have some work to get done around the house. So it's coming though. So but, that, that's, that's good. Is that what you were yeah. tracking the other day on Instagram? Yeah. 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 I hope I didn't sound it. I was going through those takes from Instagram. It was like, definitely not getting good takes while I'm being watched by the internet. Oh, you, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like I was like, yeah, still something uh still something to be desired there but no that was fun i'm gonna try to do that i thought that was yeah that was pretty cool to like to to see it as it was happening like as you were recording and and tracking i I just i haven't seen much of that until afterwards people put out their little making of it was it was just cool seeing it as it was happening well it's it's unfortunate because those afterwards things are always you know they're always so um you know, the, all the post-productions applied to it. Nobody well, wants yeah, anybody exactly. to actually see what it sounds like. And I've been kind of, um, I've been kind of banking on the fact that people, people truly do want to actually see like the real thing. Like, you know, you see that, uh, did you see that like Post Malone Nirvana thing? Yeah, that was really good. It was fucking legendary. Yeah, for sure. They, 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 they literally just decided to, um, to just do a, a real stream of them jamming nirvana songs and and it's and it's raw and it's authentic i want to hear people play you know i I, want to hear them hear what it actually sounds like rather than this you know kind of you know what i mean yeah but so then you end up you end up a couple years ago joining ice nine kills uh after the release of the album the silver scream i know we talked you you weren't on that uh record but uh, how did that end up happening how'd you end up joining that band and what's it like touring with them and and hawk at the same time kind of pulling double duty whenever you guys do that you know i it is so funny because I don't think that anybody, I don't know anybody else who's like doing exactly what I'm, I'm, I'm doing. But so basically Ice Nine Kills needed somebody short notice. It was like, dude, we, uh, we have a tour coming up. Uh, we need somebody now. Can, can you be available? And initially it was like, probably not like this is, yeah, this is like, you know, this is going to be kind of, I don't know if I can learn this stuff, but I've just been going through like, you know, I, I had just gone through some major life changes. I, I, I uh, had lost my grandma just days prior to talking to them, basically. And, um, and that was a, that was a really, really big hit uh, in my life. You know, my family, we had like sort of this matriarch, you know what I mean? We had, had this, this woman that was, you know, she was like, you know, everything kind of revolved around grandma. You know, and um, she lived down in Florida. The whole family would go to see her. So losing her was a really big hit. But also going through a breakup the exact same week was after like a seven year, you know, cohabitation situation coming to an end was also really, really difficult. 
And so Ice Nine Kills hit me up about it. And my initial, oddly enough, I was in the hospital. Nothing cool. It was just, I went to a bachelor party for, I was the best man for my best friend's bachelor party. And we didn't even, I don't drink. Like we just, we ate somewhere on the way home and I got like nasty food poisoning as did like four of the other guys. And I was kind of worried because that was right at the point where there was like this flu going around that people were warning was like killing people. Um, kind of, yeah, oddly enough. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I went to the hospital for it and then i just get this phone call from spencer and 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 i'm just like what the fuck does spencer want you know <laughs> like yes. i love spencer we we it's just like i assumed it was about this stuff i had helped him write a little bit for silver scream um nothing major like i wasn't writing music for it he would just facetime me and he needed somebody who could lay his ideas out on the computer and shit and he had some songs he was working on and the producers that they were working with he was working with during the day and they needed more work done so he was working with me in the evening and and he's a really hard working person like spencer's very very when he's on it he is like go 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 so the songs that he wasn't able to work with uh work on with steve and jd he was working with me um and trying to get stuff together to bring to them so he saw he actually watched me play guitar a few times because he would play he would like play his acoustic guitar and you know and like play a song and then he would he would be uh, I, I would be like all right cool uh let me see if i can you know i'll try to recreate that and i would you know then i would just play i would play the same song um, and he, he, I remember he was just, you know, he was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize you could play guitar that like that. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I really can't, you know, it just, I think he sort of overshot, like he, he saw what he wanted to see and he was like, wow, Ricky's a great guitar player. And really, honestly, it was just, I record, I re-record people's songs so often in the studio that I, I have kind of gotten my chops together with guitar, but I didn't even notice cause I only ever record guitars like maybe six or seven beats at a time. Like if a band's going like, I'm recording a bunch of takes of, and then I'm and I'm playing it over and over until I get a take that sounds good. I do this all the time because honestly, nobody ever notices that I've re-recorded their stuff and it just sounds better in the end if I can like take the time to do it. And it's so much less of a headache. <laughs> so that practice kind of made it seem like I knew what I was doing. And I'm going through, I'm going through this huge life event. And this guy is just like, can you, can you like, can you do this tour? It was like the first opportunity I got in a while. And, and initially I said, no, cause I was like, dude, I just listened. There's no way I could play that stuff. And then, uh, their guitar player, or well, JD, he called me and he was like, Hey, I, 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 it, it, please. It, it, it is like we're desperate like we we can't lose this tour and i just said okay i remember i actually like that day had a conversation that made me like i gotta get the fuck out of here and i remember being like okay and i i just i don't know and my life just changed drastically that day because i literally was like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing I don't know if I'm going to play these songs. There's going to be like a thousand people a night watching this band on tour. Tota maybe played for 300 a night if we were lucky. I'm just going, whatever. And I just sat down and literally every moment just kept playing 
you know, just watching the videos of the dude playing the songs. And, you know, I kind of had to like make compromises where it'd be like, well, I can't play that. So I'm going to make my own little version of it. And something about it, just like, I just showed up to the first show in Sacramento. I plugged in, I looked at the other guys, everybody is looking at each other. You know, there's this look that you have where you're, it's a, it's a mix of like, I don't know what the fuck is about to happen. Um, but okay. You know, it's basically like, okay, whatever. Fine. Okay. This is fine. This is fine. This is, this is fine. You know, this is, this is fine. And, uh, it was fine. And then, um, I think over like a couple weeks of me being there, there's kind of like this sort of like realization with a group of dudes who have been, you know, they were like basically working together for like, you know, what they, they had been together for like 11 years. And, you know, there's obviously like, there are dynamics that are like really tough to navigate, but I basically, I navigate dynamics of musicians for a living, uh, back in the studio producing. So I'm like, you know, one by one, there was like, you know, if somebody is drinking, there was like a conversation where they'd be like, Hey, I really didn't know what to think of you at first, but like, I'm actually having fun. Like I really tried hard to make sure that I, I was always like aware of who every member was and what their needs were. And, and just like trying to communicate with them and being like, Hey man, what's up? Are you okay? Like, and, 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 you know, they've been doing it for like 11 years at this point, there's no love left. You know what I mean? It's tough because this is just a job. And then all of a sudden you have this guy who's smiling all the time. I'm so <laughs> excited to be away from my life. You know, I was like so happy to be given this like deus ex machina and get away, you know? Right. So it turned into all of a sudden, like people started kind of having fun again. And, um, and I think I kind of branded myself in, 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 in that band as just being like this. Well, I was regularly told they're like, dude, you, you're, you're pop. Like, I like everybody. I'm nice to everybody. I, it is the only way of keeping my grandmother alive. She was the most hospitable, kind, sweet person that you could ever meet. And she was a fucking badass. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I got my opportunity to tell her, like, I want to be like you. I will be like you, you know, and uh, ugh, that one's tough to think about. But, you know, then I go on tour and, you know, music's the music world is really cynical, man. Everybody's so worried about, like, seeming like they're too weak. Um, so they don't want to, like. Or, or they're just like so involved in like, you know, this game of like, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, like a uh, respect where it's like, well, do you have the res- have you, you know, does your career actually garner the respect that allows you to approach this person to, and talk to them that way or whatever? I don't give a fuck about any of that. <laughs> I, I, yeah. It's like unless I'm giving a strict reason, my form of social martial arts is I'm kind. What's up? I'm going to talk your ear off. Let's have fun. And, um, and if somebody doesn't want that, sure, I'll, you know, I'll stay away from, I don't, I don't fucking care. I don't, I don't care what these people think. I'm just here to be the person that I think is, is the right person to be. And so, um, so I think that was kind of like different, you know, cause these guys were in the grind and they were, they were really like, you know, they were, when you get stuck in the touring world, you kind of get stuck in this, like, there's a lot of social etiquette and all that stuff. And keep in mind, I've been out of it for like five years and I'm like actually excited to be there. So I, I, I don't think I changed the traje- trajectory of that band in any way. They were already like that, that record was going to take off. But I definitely think there was like something about when me and then Pat Galani, when he joined, we were just like the happiest people alive. And, and I, I think that that like definitely brought in this element of like, OK, well, let's do this 
let's pursue this idea that we have that's actually fun. Let's, um, you know, we, we did a VIP event where we like, we had a, like 80 fans meet up with us outside of a movie theater and we all bought tickets to a movie and watched it together. Like we started doing stuff like that and it that's really awesome. started like, yeah, it started creating this new culture of like possibilities and, and, and stuff. And so, you know, it, I, I don't know why, where I got on with this. And I apologize. What was the movie you guys all watched? Oh my God. It was the fucking worst movie ever. It was, uh, <laughs> w- w- it was, it was like this horror movie about the family that made the first gun. I think it was called like Weston or something. Wow. It, it was just like, it was basically a horror movie for children. I'm not big on those. That's funny though. I'm not, I'm not a big horror movie guy to begin with. I was going to say, you are, is that some... like a, is that like a prerequisite that you have to be a horror guy to be in ice nine kills? Is that like on the application? No, I, I joined before the silver screen. <laughs> came uh, okay. out. I want you to do the math real quick because I've been asked to talk about this stuff a certain yeah. way. When the band made an email chain about what costumes they were going to wear on Warp Tour, I chose not to read the emails. And I just kind of <laughs> said to myself, I'm a fucking villain. I'm not wearing a costume. And when I showed up to Warp Tour and they're like, hey, so what costume did you bring? That was a kind of tense couple of minutes where I was like, uh, I, I, uh, I, I thought you guys meant like essential members wearing those. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, are you fucking serious? Like. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm serious. It's just like he didn't bring a costume, you know. And uh, could have had some fake the, blood the, or something back there to put on. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's what we did. We put fake blood on a camp counselor shirt, and then mm-hmm. you know when we hit San Diego a few days later, they made me go to a costume store, and then I bought a priest costume to be like their idea was a scary priest from like The Exorcist, which doesn't make any sense. The, the priest wasn't the horror character in The Exorcist, but right. I got to dress up like a priest and flip off thousands of people. That's fucking, awesome. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it's more than awesome. It it was it was the best thing that I could have ever sent my family, <laughs> my fucking conservative family, being like, "Hey guys, so uh, <laughs> I'd like to let you know that I've actualized my dreams." <laughs> They're like, "Good, great, good job, man. Good, good for you. Good for you." Are you are are you guys working on any uh, new Ice Nine Kills music or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spencer's always working on new Ice Nine Kills music. He he's he is like a fucking writing maniac. He is always sending me like new hooks that he's writing. Like he's uh, his talent is wild. It's wild. So I, I definitely I saw you dabble in a little bit of uh like stand up comedy in, in in the past. Are you yeah. uh, is that is that is that another like passion of yours or do you have plans to get back into that or are you still doing that or? <laughs> You did your research. Um, oh, I got I, you. <laughs> I, I, I fucking I, I adore stand up. That's I think that I I'm pretty sure that I identify more with comedy than I do with music. And I can and I have once again a long winded story about that. But um, just one time, like one of our jokes kind of went like sort of viral, I guess. Like we it made no sense. And it, it, it was like my mom. We one time. We were just messing with our lighting guy and we were like talking about uh, he, he's holding a mic stand and he's just pointing it at Dan and he, he's and he's saying this is wood and it's a mic stand. It's, it's a, Dan, Dan is Dan, our, our lighting guy at the time. He is like he was like on a, on a level of, of literal that that kind of like was interesting. Like the guy's brilliant. He, he would tell you he could talk at length about like individual basins in in the boston area and 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 how how their water system you know works and he he's just like this like this brain you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and, and we're out with this brain and 
and he uh, he was just always telling us like these amazing like he, he's basically just like it was like having a, a, having a Wikipedia on tour with you. You know what right. I mean? And uh, and sometimes you, you weren't asking for the Wikipedia article, you were just getting it. And so, you know, jo- Joe, on the other hand, is like Joe sometimes just likes to walk into a room and scream cha 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 as loud as he can until somebody asks him to leave. Um, like he, he's, he, Joe is like kind of a chaos artist and I fucking love it. I I think he's amazing. I think he's one of the funny, him and Spencer in their own ways are two of the funniest people I've ever met my, my whole life easily. Like they're, 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 they're comedic timing and, and just, it's like, it's actually an art with them. Like they, they, we, we, and, and so Joe just keeps yelling, it's wood. This is wood. (laughs) <laughs> at Dan and 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 you know and you have Dan like this is not wood this is aluminum and I want you <laughs> to stop this whatever weird game you're playing right now uh, on 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 ever strange bit I'm trapped in right now I want this to and this turns into Joe screaming at Dan that if he touches the mic stand it'll become wood <laughs> and it this turns into us screaming make it wood and we're just like <laughs> shut the fuck up touch the fucking mic stand make it wood and we're just like make it wood it it has no meaning it's just it's it's absurdity that's it there's no and and, and we're just making all these instagram stories where we're just waking dan up in his bunk and like dan will you please make this wood and then he'll just like touch it and we say thank and then everybody goes it's wood it's wood dan's in there just like it's not wood it is still a paper bag with mcdonald's in it please stop this nonsense and and that's just a fucking formula for for fun. So so basically, so we have all this fun, and we go on stage the one day, and the whole audience just starts chanting, "Make it wood." <laughs> that's and, awesome. And you know, given my mom, I was on the phone with her, and she's like, "Oh, and if you don't think I don't know what this make it wood thing is," and she thinks it's like a, a reference to erections, <laughs> and then I'm mad at her. I'm like, "Don't cheapen our jokes. No, sexualizing it ruins it. There's no sexual, you know, to her it has to be like, oh, I know what that means. I'm like, no, you're you're ruining it. It, it, it. It's 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 pure absurdity. It, it is pure. The joke is there are seven lunatics that believe that if this guy can touch something, it'll become wood, and we're like. <laughs> all like wearing babushkas and just it's chaos that's that's the joke so we go up and and they're just an audience starts chanting make it wood and i fucking cried on stage for the first time because for the first time i realized oh my god people notice who we are and i mean like i'm not trying to sound like uh cynical but i watched them sing the songs a lot of times i didn't really particularly give a fuck it's just what you do with songs. Well, you like the song, sing it. That should have been emotional for me. It's not. I don't know why. But as soon as somebody noticed our <laughs> joke, it got personal. So like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about comedy, but to me, comedy is kind of like, it's such like an honest, like people who are, are people who have an agenda, people who lie about things, like people who do strictly political humor, they're not funny usually. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, there's no fun. Like, some of it here and there, but you're right. Not when that's the yeah, only thing. It can, yeah. it can be. But, like, my parents have, like, struggled to show me, like, Republican comedians. And, like, it's like you try to piece apart these jokes, and there's almost, like, never. Like, somebody yeah. whose goal is, like, I'm going to push a Republican point of view while I go uh, in, in comedy. 
And it's not fun. It's like never funny. Like there's never like this like brutal honesty to it or anything. Like I know a lot of comedians are liberal, but if you have a comedian that goes up strictly to be like, I'm going to really stick it to the Repubs or whatever, it's often not like something about comedy is like the only way for it to seem like true is like it's this honest expression of just like if you if any of my favorite comedians ran for office, I would fight passionately for them to be in office because i feel like as soon as you actually care about your art honesty is is everything you know what i mean like if you really care about about like making a piece of art if you really care about a song you're gonna have to be honest if you really care about a joke you're gonna have to be honest you're gonna have to understand like what it is and so there's something about so i i've tried stand up to answer your question late and it's just like always but I'm not particularly good at it and it's not something that I want to like, you know, you get good at stand up by like constantly going to open mic nights, really right, feeling yeah. out what works and what doesn't work. And I, every time I produce bands, I'm always pushing them. Like you got to go try stand up. There's something about it that really, it's a game changer. It, it, it's, it's 100%. It, 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 it absolutely changes things because it is like, there is, there is nothing like going up on stage and, and realizing that you have to, if you want people to enjoy it, you have to like, you have to experience that, that feeling of just like, okay, I don't have a band in front of me I, I, or behind me. I can't just like, I can't just hide behind the drummer and rock out when, if the audience isn't digging it, like you're up there to fucking entertain and, and it doesn't matter what you like. It matters what they like. So right. stand up was the only time that I actually looked like, I felt like I learned that. Like I was like, wow. I'm saying things I think are funny and people aren't responding to it. And then you just like, you say one thing that actually like, I remember like one of my first times doing stand up, like nobody's laughing at this dumb shit I wrote. I'm trying to like do shock humor and shit like that. And at one point I'm like, man, I, I kind of thought this was going to go a lot better. And everybody laughs. And I'm realizing like, what the fuck? That wasn't even a joke I worked on. That was just something I said. And now they're going to fuck you're gonna fucking laugh at that. You're gonna laugh. At, but <laughs> I saw I saw one. I I saw I only watched one, but I saw the uh, a, a little clip and I think a bit right at the beginning. It, it was pretty funny. You talked about uh like walking down the street, someone trying to sell you drugs or something like that, and then um what was it? You, they they just say like twenty three or twenty or, or something like that, and then yeah. and then yeah. you you just you're such a nice guy. You feel like you have to have a conversation with somebody if they're trying to talk to you, and you're like, well, what will it do to me? <laughs> I thought that was yeah, pretty you're like, good. Well, yeah. What, what's it do yeah, i remember but, that one what's it do like, like that's that's uh, funny yeah, yeah yeah like uh is you have it, no intention I, of buying it like, <laughs> yeah like yeah probably not talking but, like, to me it, so like it, i'll talk to him is it cool and no i remember that guy trying to kill me uh but it it, oh, it, it, it was just kind of it was funny because you're like honestly the real life episode of it was more me messing with the guy because the guy was clearly like he kept coming by like our area outside of the show and he was he was trying to sell drugs to um, Grateful Dead fans because uh, we played a, a we played a uh, um, New England hardcore metal fest in and the same day that there was like a fucking maybe it was Fish it was either Fish or Grateful Dead but it was like a re they hadn't played in years and they were playing right nearby so it was like chaos there's just like you know there's like these like little fucking pop up like vegan burrito you know tents everywhere and ev right. everybody's like selling their fucking thing and then there's these people who walk around and then and then they sell you know they they sell um these like they're basically like these whippets to people mm -hmm. and and uh 
you know, they're just, and they keep coming by and they keep saying, I, I forget, yeah, like, I can't remember. It's like, yeah, it's like, yo, I got the 23, yo, I got the 23. And we're kind of messing, we're like, yeah, come on, yeah, yeah, come here. So what, what's it all, like, what is it? And he's like, what's it do, you know? And we're like, they, when the guy clearly realized we we're fucking with him, he, he got like pretty aggressive <laughs> and we're like, oh shit, this guy's scary. Like, you know, we're shit. laughing our asses off because, you know, we're just, you know, when you're, you're like, you know, touring, it puts you in a position where a lot of your life is like pretty high risk. And once you live long enough, just kind of doing whatever you feel like you, you, you don't really think about like the consequences of like pissing off that guy trying to deal drugs to the deadheads. Cause <laughs> you're just going to leave town. You know what I mean? There's, there's usually no risk. <laughs> so we just kept messing with him and he's like, so that was kind of where, you know, it's, it, that was where the joke came from. But, but, um, I, I, I always try to like, think about, you know, you, you, every now and then you're like, you're, you're, you're out on tour and something happens and you're like, well, how do I turn this into a bit? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So the, uh, the, the show is called, uh, for the Berg. We're based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania here. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you have, I, I know you're, you're Lancaster PA. Is that right? Yes, sir. Awesome. Um, so I don't know if you have any favorite venues or cool show memories from Pittsburgh or anything like that. Or oh, God. I, I, I always love the altar bar. Yeah. Every, everyone's yeah. been saying altar bar. Yeah. Altar, altar bar was always kind of like the, the cool Pittsburgh venue you get to play. Um, Pittsburgh's really nice though. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it gets a bad rap for, for no reason. You know what I mean? Just cause like there's the, the sports team stuff. So people there's always like that kind of thing being like oh right well you know john lives in pittsburgh it's like <laughs> which is actually really nice and there are gorgeous views of that bridge everywhere and like right. all the hills and cliffs and shit um but yeah I, I wish i i wish i had time to actually like go out and just like hang out in pittsburgh for an extended period of time i mean it's close enough i just yeah. always am kind of like coming through but um Good memory. I, I think playing with Chimera, Impending Doom, and Doth on that, um, and playing Alter Bar, Bar on that tour. I don't know why, but that was just a really particularly fun show. Nice. Do you know what the term Jagoff means? No. It's a Pittsburgh term. It means like uh, dickhead, asshole. I've been asking every guest this. I'm bet, kind of batting 500 here. Half the half the guys kind of played off and don't answer. The other half will answer. They don't care. Totally up to you. I, I don't care either way, but I'm going to ask it. Um, being in these bands and kind of touring with a lot of famous people, meeting a lot of famous people, is there anybody that you've met that you were excited to meet that turned out to be a Jagoff? <laughs> um, well, all right. All right. I'll, 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 I'll kind of play ball, but, but the only reason that I am going to play ball here is because there's a caveat um so years and years and years back i had a bad experience with uh ronnie radke mm. and um and you know he's just a i i know that's like now that i've you know been around music i just know the type like there's certain people when they're in a high stress situation they behave in a, especially musicians who deal with like you know the type of per, the type of personality that makes you go i'm gonna stand on stage and i'm gonna sing it as many people as possible <laughs> and they're gonna look at me you're already picking from a pool of people who have some like shit that, that, that makes certain behaviors a tendency. Right. So, um, I don't want to get into the story, but I just had a bad experience with the guy and it really wasn't a big deal, but the caveat is, so that was years and years and years back. We just went on a tour with them and he was perfectly sweet to every single one of us. Not a single problem. He was I didn't see a single, I didn't see him do a single thing that was like remotely questionable. And it kind of, you know, like, it, 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 you know, you go in being like, oh, man, I, I saw that guy going off one time. Can't wait for that bullshit. Right. And 
then we go through a whole tour and and given yeah, unfortunately one of those guys passed away Derek yeah. awful they were they were all so nice and they were so friendly and and that's just you know keeps reinforcing this thing to me that you really you know when you're on tour like you have to realize sometimes people especially in enter- entertainment and and there are like so many dynamics that go into these per- these personalities are kind of built and they're kind of what actually makes an artist like a thing like if you put somebody around people that are encouraging them to be show showmen like showmen you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're always going to end up getting a different experience than you know the rest of us that are are just working you know what i mean they're they're always going to get an experience where it's like no we need you high energy we need you excited we need you whatever is going to keep you in that state of mind and i see this all the time is like you get that singer who give Ronnie Radke's got one of the best voices I've ever heard in my oh, life. For sure. One of the best hands down. And, um, so, you know, you put the, in order to like extract that, that thing that you get out of them is like, there's kind of like a, a mental state that these people have to be in. That's very, um, I don't want to get into it, but like I have to put myself in a weird neurological mental state when I'm trying to sing. And I can tell when I, when it's, when it's, been when it's been tapped out there's this different experience like all right so think about like do me a favor right now um and 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 just try this so like Mm -hmm. so look at your hands right palm or uh, the other side (laughs) wherever 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 it doesn't it it doesn't really matter it's kind of a universal thing but so don't like feel the outside of your hands um this was actually brought up on that show midnight gospel but this is like something i've kind of done before don't think about the outside of your hands, like not the skin, like think about the inside of your hands. Like just start with your index finger on your right hand mm-hmm. and just try to like close your eyes and, and like think about that energy inside of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you kind of feel that. Yeah. It's like not the outside of your hand. There's something in there. So yeah. like feel like now feel your whole hand. Like try to. It, it's tough, but you, you yeah, can feel no, your whole weird. hands. If you, and now feel your arms. And now like. And try to see if you can feel your legs too at the same time and, and, and your stomach and your chest. And then just listen, like just use your ears and listen and then just like look and do those four things at once. And at a certain point, you're not actually really thinking in your brain anymore. You're actually like in your body. Hmm. And like there's something about that, that like entertainers, like especially the ones that you like that are really like they can engage their whole nervous system and they just have this like huge voice and they have this big personality and they sometimes act very, they they act out based on how they feel. These people are usually like in that state all the time. They're not actually like really thinking about things like, like many of us, like I'm a guy with a ton of anxiety. So I think and think and think and think you can probably tell from the way I talk. It's hard to be in that state. So you get these personalities that a lot of times people are like, Oh yeah, that guy, man, what an asshole. And you're like, well, he exists in a totally different neurological state than us. And, you know, he's, there are people who are around him who need him to stay there because there's money being made. There's a tour manager to pay. There's a merch guy to pay. There's a sound guy to pay. Fun of house, fucking stage tech, guitar tech, drum tech, lighting guy. There are all these people. And this is based around, especially in these high, in these situations where it's around one, you know, there's a band, but at the end of the day, everybody knows that one guy. There is mm-hmm. so much pressure to, we have a star and we got to keep him, we got to keep him performing right. Cause this is our jobs. Those are, th- that's the type of thing that I really think about. Cause I, 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 
I've tried to explain it sometimes because I, I find myself in that situation where like people will be like, man, I met this actor and he was a fucking asshole. And it was like, well, yeah, once you're, uh, once you spend like 30 years of your life being surrounded by people who are trying to keep you in this certain type of like, you, they're obviously going to be way different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're going to, they're going to be a different, a different breed. But then if you're around them for an extended period, you might see them. Yeah. I think the incident I saw him at, he was, he was dealing with an issue with a promoter and there was like, it turned into a blow up thing with a bunch of people. And there was like a whole thing going on. You're like, ah, wow. I saw that guy literally doing what he is paid to do. Right. You know what I mean? It's same with like football players that act out violently. They're fucking, do you know what they're doing to their brains? They're Mm -hmm. literally, their whole life is violence. They have, a team of people who are paid to keep those motherfuckers as violent as possible so they can smash people with their giant bodies. And then you're like surprised when like all of a sudden they act violent. And it was just like, well, this thing happened not, not to excuse it in any way. Right. This doesn't, yeah, yeah, this still, doesn't condone yeah. anybody's behavior. So I'm a little understand, like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more understanding about it because I, I have right, these experiences like, where you hear these stories yeah. about people and then you actually you're around them for a while. And you're like, there's nothing wrong with that person. I just one time saw them engaged in a fucking neurological state that they literally their life depends on them being in. And it just triggered at the wrong time. Was that his uh, was that would that have been escape to fate days or still falling in reverse days? It was like it was right when falling in reverse came out. Got it. But whole entire whole entire tour. Awesome. dude. Awesome. awesome. Super nice. Yeah. So. That's that's my, my my story and and I and, and really I, I the only reason I told that story was because I want people to know it's a good dude good dude you know? yeah. good yeah. answer though for sure so I have a couple fan questions then I'll let you go buddy all right sure all right there these the, the first one here is just one I usually do it was a good question so I kept it um if your band could tour with just one other band for the rest of your career who would that band be and why um <laughs> man I want to tour with uh, can I can I pick two together. Go I want to go it, on yeah. that Rage Against the Machine run the Jewels tour. Nice. That's what I want. Awesome. Um, do you or anybody in the band have any weird uh, superstitions or uh, like pre-show uh, rituals or anything like that before taking stage? I just move or I, I try to put myself in like a uh, like we were just talking about in like a mental state that that feels good. So I'm kind of weird. I'm just like loosening up and just kind of moving around weird and just getting all my joints engaged. And people look. O- I'm so used to doing it now that. Sometimes people are like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm trying to fucking loosen up, man. Get out of my, get out of here. But I, <laughs> that's my ritual before a show is I just got to like get my, I got to go through every joint, every part of my body and just make sure that like my nerves are engaged and I am literally as far outside of my head as possible. Nice. Then the last one here, what band have you seen the most live as a fan, not on tour with anything like that, but actually paid tickets as a oh, fan to see? This is really bad. I don't go to shows. <laughs> I just rarely do. I think Run the Jewels probably. I've gotten to see them a bunch of times. Awesome. That's all I have, buddy. Uh, do you, is there anything you want to say or plug at the end here and then we can sign off? No, no. I mean, uh, New Hawk CD should be done soon. And thank, dude, thank you so much for having me. I hope I, I, I hope that, um, <laughs> no. I hope the editing process. Oh, no, you're good. Difficult. I, I'm not, I don't want to edit too much out. The only things I will have to edit out is whenever I, I lost you here, here and there. Uh, thank you, buddy. Awesome, dude.
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm happy to be on anytime. Nope. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed Ricky Armelino from Hawk and Ice Nine Kills. We will see you next time with Matt Good from From First to Last. Oh.